0: We're gonna go to the Gospel now as we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount, the selection for this Sunday, Matthew 5 at verse 21. We're listening to the teaching and the Sermon of Jesus. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, Anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother is something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who has taken you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he will... He may hand you over to the, the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath. But keep the oath you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Thus far the reading from God's holy word. invite you to turn back in the scriptures to Matthew 5 where we just read in the Sermon on the Mount and we're three weeks into it now. Last week we had the idea that we were to be salt, we were to be light, uh, we were to be like that little light that was put on a lampstand, Uh, we were to um, be people that were committed to the Lord. And we're gonna have prayer now as we, before we start the sermon, our Lord explains and applies his commandments. Well, prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you that we have before us a sermon of Jesus. And we pray that we would learn from him, uh, just as if we were sitting on that very mountain outside overlooking the uh, Sea of Galilee. Uh, We pray, God, today that we would have the experience of of Christ's words impacting our lives and affecting our attitudes, our behaviors, uh, that we indeed might be salt and light, uh, that our righteousness would exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and we would... Thank you, God, today for uh, the call to follow Christ. And we know that he was the perfect example of all these things. And we would pray, Lord, that we would be humble and be able to listen now to what he would say. And we would pray, God, that your spirit would would bring forth a a change in our lives and a a, a, a harvest of righteousness. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. and today we read the ten commandments and i wonder how you felt as you read them Uh, no doubt uh, some of them reminded you of your sins and but overall there's a human tendency to look at god's commandments in a very superficial way if you study the catechisms you find the catechisms doing uh, a deep dive into all these commandments and that's very helpful But typically, we tend to be on the surface of things. And obviously, we know that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, that we have broken God's commandments. And the Bible tells us we break one commandment, we have broken them all, and that we're lawbreakers. But we often think that some of them we probably keep pretty well. Uh, The Lord's sermon, as we go through it, should make us desire his grace and a new obedience, that we would have that righteousness that surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees. In the opening verse, in 21, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Of course, do not murder is one of the commandments, and in our church we regard it as the sixth commandment, in our form of numbering. Uh, some churches have different numbering uh, because they put together what we call the first and second commandment into one commandment, and then they come to the tenth commandment on coveting, and they split that into two, which if you uh, follow that uh, logic of it and, and look at how the tradition was with the Hebrew people, uh, it wasn't along those lines. So I, I'm more comfortable with the, the numbering that we see here that this would be the sixth commandment. And the people were told, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. That was the the teaching that followed it, that was given by the rabbis and so forth. And so as we read the commandment today, we probably thought, you know, I've never murdered anybody. I haven't broken this commandment. But as you see from the words of Jesus, this might be one of the commandments we've broken the most often. Because he says, but I tell you, He's going against whatever interpretation of that happened before. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. In other words, the same judgment that the murderers would be subject to. Anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. What Jesus is telling us here is anyone who is angry with his brother has violated the sixth commandment, do not murder. Now, we don't often think of it that way, but this is how our Lord does, and these are his commandments, and he's interpreting for us that anyone who be anyone angry with his brother will be subject to judgment, in other words, God's judgment. And he uses the Aramaic word raka, which would be our blockhead. You know, if you've ever called somebody a blockhead or something similar or someone's ever called you a blockhead, you know, that's uh, what we're talking about here. Or in, in my home area growing up, that was largely uh, German and Dutch, how about this word, dummkopf or ninkepoop? Are any of those familiar? That's what Jesus is talking about. If you call your, your brother, and if you have the outline, you can go down to number three here. What are you saying? A brother could be a family member. You know, like your, like when I was growing up, my brothers, you know, I might be tempted to call them some names. Uh, it could be like that. But most likely, in terms of what the uh, Gospel of Matthew is written for to the church, probably a fellow believer. And of course, whenever you have the word brother, applied to the church it also includes the sisters in the faith it's a shorthand uh, for addressing the church so if you're angry with your brother you're going to be subject to the judgment if you uh, call them a fool number two here you fool uh, subject to the fires of hell or the fire of hell and Jesus is saying, you know, I'm not to call somebody a fool. Now, in the Bible, there's a proper use of the word fool. Uh, Psalm 14:1 would be one place where the Bible says the fool says in his heart, there's no God. So the Bible doesn't use the word atheist where a person denies that there's a God. The Bible calls that person a fool. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. Romans 1. Uh, we have these really smart people who turn away from God and they worship creation, creative things rather than the creator. And Paul says, although they claim to be wise, a lot of people in our our day claim to be wise, he said, although they claim to be wise, they became fools. So there's a proper use of the word fool. And also in the book of Proverbs, uh, there are many places where a person is described as a fool for doing certain things or certain uh, descriptions would apply to a person who's actually a fool. But to say, you know, someone's a fool because they don't get something or, uh, you know, they're not making the right choice is demeaning, and it's an expression of anger, and anger is identified in the medieval church as one of the seven deadly sins. There was pride, envy, anger, uh, greed, gluttony, uh, lust. Did I get them all? Um uh, There were seven deadly sins, and here Jesus identifies anger as sin. Anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Now, why is that? It's because it was the root of the first murder. So if you look in Genesis chapter 4 and read that story, review that story, you'll see that Abel uh, brought a firstborn of his flock for sacrifice for worship uh, to God, and his brother Cain uh, brought uh, crops, and he didn't offer by faith, and Cain saw that Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God, Cain's was not, and Cain was angry. His face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So the picture of of sin is crouching at your door like a lion waiting at your doorstep. As soon as you go out the door, that it can consume you. And that's the picture of the devil. Uh, John, in his letter... First John 3, at verse 12 said, Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brother, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life. So any kind of hate in our life needs to be done away with, it needs to be given to God, it needs to be repented of, but our society today is angry, and so anger just permeates our country, uh, anger seems to be the only acceptable emotion, you know, how often do people respond with gratitude as they should, but more often ex- ex- uh, respond with anger, so don't justify uh a sin here, uh, the ang- sin of anger is a righteous anger. There, uh, I mean, you. there are some applications of that. Uh, verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. There, there are some times when a, a person acting righteously would have to be angry, but it's a very small percentage of, of, of the Expressions of anger. In other words, it's probably only about five percent of the time where we would think that our anger is really turns out to be righteous. Often, it's there's a great deal of sin involved in our anger as well. And and so we're not to let the sun go down while we're still angry. In other words, we can't go to bed angry. We are uh, to. Give it to God every day. We're not to give the devil a foothold because the devil can make great use of this. But we're to imitate God in Psalm today. In the Psalm I read uh, that in in the Psalm of forgiveness, that God was He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but He's slow to anger. And so we're we're to imitate Him. I'm so glad that God. You know, if He were quick to anger, I wouldn't be here. But He's slow to anger. And that's what we need to be. James tells us that that that's our calling as well, that uh, we're to be slow to speak, uh, we're to be quick to listen, we're to be slow to become angry. Uh, That should be an expression of who we are. That's what our children should say of us and our spouse should say of us, and it should be what our neighbor says of us, that we're slow to become angry because we're imitating God. So we need to consider if there's an anger problem in our lives, and it'll show up in a general temperament of hostility. And when I've given um, premarital counseling sessions, I, I, I look for this as one of the things that shows up in a Tra- Taylor Johnson temperament analysis. If one of the spouses to be is very, very angry, uh, and they graph they, they, uh, uh, really high on a scale of hostility... Uh, they're going to they're be hard to live with, and we know people like that. They go from fighting in this place, and they're going to fight somewhere else because they just got that anger within them, and, and it's not consistent with the Christian life. When you need to think about applying the golden rule, which shows up in Matthew 7 in this sermon. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. So if you're one of these people that likes to dish it out to others, You think about what it's like to be on the receiving end of all that negative emotion. Uh, Think about it. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. And Christ spells out then, you know, when we're angry and we uh, just let it fly. uh, Well, we're going to have a relationship damage there. And he says, you need to go back and fix it. You need to leave worship and go and be reconciled. And then, and then come back to worship. It's, it's, it's that important. Uh, one of the problems that we can get into is uh, that we could end up in, in court, and uh, Jesus tells us to try to be uh, avoiding that if possible. Uh, he uh, tells us in, in verse 25 that... Uh, you know, not to not to go that way as an immediate solution. Settle matters quickly with your adversary while he's take, who is taking who has taken you to court. Do it while you're still on the way with him. So try to avoid that if possible. Uh, now, obviously, there are some situations that are going to have to be decided in court. There are some situations that'll have to have to go there, but don't make that the first. Make it the, the last thing that you want to have happen and realize that a decision could go against you. That's what Jesus says. Uh, you, you know, it may, may go the wrong way. Well, he goes on then to the second, seventh commandment in verse 27, or excuse me, starting at, yeah, starting at 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. So Jesus uh, is warning here that uh, the sin of adultery uh, can also be committed mentally. The one who looks at a woman lustily has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now obviously it's worse to commit adultery outwardly, but simply because we've not committed adultery outwardly uh, doesn't mean that we haven't committed it inwardly in our, in our thinking And so he warns against adultery and says that we have to uh, stand against it. So he uses, uh, figures of speech here, uh, hyperbole, uh, that is not to be taken literally, okay? He's not advocating amputation or surgery. He's not doing that. He's, He's warning against adultery with hyperbole, all right? So... It's a figure of speech. In other words, I've used this before, but hopefully it'll, you know, just help you remember it a little bit. Uh, In my part of the world growing up, there was a statement that a person might make, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Now, if I, you know, you invite me f- for dinner, and you know it's eleven o'clock, and I say, you know, I, yeah, I'm going to come, and it looks like I'll miss lunch today, and I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. You're not going to go out and shoot the horse, and butcher the horse, and then have horse steak, and then for me to come, I'd be horrified that you'd 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 carry that out. You know, your your wonderful horse, and and. and I obviously couldn't eat a horse. I mean, that'd be a lot of food, and I don't even know if I'd like it. But I said it to make a point, all right? Or if the husband says to the wife, and you know, sometimes I feel like Wade is my middle name, if the husband says to his wife, I've waited for an eternity. He hasn't waited for an eternity. I, I've never said that because I, I'm more of a theologian that I wouldn't use that. That's a, or I've we've been friends forever. I don't correct people and say, no, you, not forever. No, I, I don't do that. I know what they mean, right? A long time. That's a figure of speech. It's hyperbole. But it, what it does mean is, is, look, don't say this sin is so dear to me, I can't get rid of it. And this is the way some people operate with this idea that, you know, two men can get married and two women can get married, and God said marriage is between a man and a woman, and they said, well, you know, this makes me, you know, this, this is the only thing that makes me happy. Uh, Jesus says here, you know, you, you're going to have to make some painful decisions, and, and that might some painful changes, and it might mean some habits. It might mean changing friends, but you have to get rid of adultery. However you break that commandment, you have to get rid of it and stop making excuses. And he gives us a hyperbole for effect. Not that anyone would do these things unless you know, they had some mental problem, uh, but you know, this is the way he speaks to make the point. That the devil can use the sin of lust, this breaking of the seventh commandment, to take people to hell and to just turn them away from the faith. And of course, lust being another one of the deadly sins. The commandment regarding adultery was there to safeguard marriage. And a divorce is, as um, has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. That's moses here and he was regulating divorce uh, but i tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery so as you read through the bible you see that um, you know there's a little bit more to it than just a superficial reading here on that uh, that paul would include desertion and then uh, to figure out um, what you know? What would uh, what would it mean that a person could rightfully get a divorce? But the idea is that divorce is not to be the solution, uh, but it's allowed in in cases of you know extreme problems such as marital unfaithfulness. And here's it's allowed; it's not required. But divorce is not to be seen as oh, you know, that's just commonplace. That's just something that is uh, or not to worry about. We're, we're to see that that marriage is to be uh, permanent and, and, and the scripture uh, upholds marriage. Ninth, uh, the third thing is the ninth commandment, do not bear false witness uh, as he uh, says here. Again, verse 33, you have heard it was said to people long ago, going back to the commandment, do not break your oath but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, or by for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And he's talking about how we speak, you know, that we don't speak falsely, and here not to break an oath. Uh, He is saying here that we should speak the truth. We should reverence God by not using oaths, uh, not to use an oath in common language. Uh, There's no need for it. Uh, It is for the courtroom when we're put under oath, and Jesus was put under oath at one time. In his uh, last uh, day on earth, he was put under oath. Uh, We uh, shouldn't be talking like this in everyday talk. Uh, people shouldn't swear by heaven or by Jerusalem. Uh, we shouldn't uh, swear because heaven and Jerusalem belong to God, and people shouldn't swear by their head, Jesus says, and that's what people were doing because their life belongs to God, and that, and God is the one who provides for everything. So uh, we have a statement here how we should speak, and we shouldn't have to Use an oath. We shouldn't, like when I was a kid growing up on the playground, uh, you hear the kids say, Cross my heart and hope to die, you know, after they say something that was questionable, right? And I used to work with a person uh, in our town and, and hear some some stories, and, and the person would say, That's a gospel. Well, it never was a gospel, but what she was trying to do was underline the fact that she was telling the truth. But not necessary, not something we should do. Uh, what we are t- to simply say yes and no. And we should be able to do this if we're truthful. It should mean something. Jesus said anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So we don't have to, we don't have to take an oath to verify what we say as truth if we're really following the Christian life. Uh, the real teacher of the Christian as we listen today is Jesus. And we need to set aside, then, every misunderstanding of God's requirements that somehow we've accepted, whether it comes, it's come to us in our childhood, uh, whether it's come to us um, uh, from our parents or from the playground or where, wherever we've gotten and we've followed some, someone else's habit here. But we have to see the Lord's teaching because we're not called to be spiritual slackers, but we're to be pure in heart peacemakers at times persecuted, those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness that Jesus has given us in this sermon. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to apply the commandments so that we can be followers of Jesus, so that our light can shine, that we can be salt, uh, that we can uh, have a righteousness which surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees and teachers of the law, which comes to the cross, and through the Spirit's work in our life. And we pray this for all of us here and all who are listening, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen.